what's funny about it is that she doesn't fucking I mean, like she dives into it. It's like, and I'm sure that if you are reading someone's biography, I'm someone that she probably either, I'm not sure how that all came to fruition. I was going to say, do they, do you think they know, they know each other? But they, I mean, maybe because they were kind of up and comers at the same time. They had to be in the same circles, right? right? For sure. For sure. You know, she wasn't quite the bubblegum pop princess, but I mean, she was doing things like. Um, I, I don't know if she would have like circled around the Michelle, the, the Michelle, uh, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> Melissa Joan Hart circle when she was doing Drive Me Crazy or any of that stuff. Mm. But like, yeah, I mean, you figure young Hollywood at that time, there's a Joshua Jackson <laughs> connection that happens somewhere. Along Six degrees lines. of Joshua Jackson. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they stumbled in, you know, uh, into parties together. Although, you know, she did probably stumbled out. Right. She did skew a little younger than I think Michelle is. Because yeah. she was in the Lindsay Lohan. I mean, it's like she was hanging out with Lohan and, and Paris Hilton um, during those terrible days to be a young starlet uh, from a paparazzi standpoint, for sure. Yeah, no, no, true. I don't think they did themselves any favors, though. I mean, especially like Paris Hilton. But and but, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to blame the victim. No, no, here, no, but, I understand. Yeah. But like had the, had this, I mean, like, but think about it this way. Had the spotlight been turned on you. Oh, at that same time. Oh, no, no, because like what year would this have been? Like, I mean, just consider you the age you were when they were there. I mean, like what you were doing when they you were their age. Oh, I was just blackout drunk all the time. <laughs> right. I mean, so, I mean, it would just been like, <laughs> right. And like, I'm so glad that we didn't have, see, I, and I, I tell people this all the time, but I'm so glad that there were no like smartphones or like digital cameras around when right. I was like in the midst of my sort of like drinking and drug use because good Lord, I mean, no one wants to see those pictures. Right. Just no one wants to see them. Yeah, and you don't I can't want, tell, and, and tell you, you how many nights I was like naked running down the street. And you don't want somebody <laughs> to like, I'll just leave that there. You don't <laughs> want anybody to like be taking a picture of you or taking a video of you while you're peeing in a, you know, in a mop bucket a la Justin Bieber or things like that where you're yeah. just like drunk or high or. Yeah, or like in the bushes outside of a wedding reception. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, <laughs> it's, it's funny too, because like it used to be. You know, you used to, and this obviously sounds like a fucking, I'm going to yell at this guy here in a second, but like, uh, you know, you had to get your pictures developed and right, the, and developing right. places wouldn't develop, you know, x-ray. I mean, they wouldn't, I, you know, and that's all, I don't know if it's actually, I'm sure it, you could have slipped a guy. I, if it's, so, so I worked in the retail, I, I worked in the photography industry in several different like ways, but in one way, um, early, early on was in, was in retail and, and. And um, we had a high-end lab in the shop, and so I would go back and sort of like talk to the lab techs. As long as it wasn't abusive, you'd, still you'd pretty it. much develop it. So people would bring in burlesque shots or, you know, nude pictures, but there was never anything that was dangerous or, right. you know, no rape fantasies, no child stuff like that. That's where you won't develop it. Other than that, but most of, you're yeah, just like... You'd imagine most of those were being developed in a home studio. <laughs> that point, you didn't, well, right. You didn't want right. to have the local police force yeah. called on you. Well, so <laughs> we had a strip club owner come in and drop his film off like all the time. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you can imagine. Well, well, a lot of times his he was a collector. You know of, what's rough about that is you don't even know if the picture came out until you get the film back. I mean, that's, I that, know. that was I know. the spot. Don't you remember this? Yeah, this was great. <laughs> but this this strip club owner, he collected currency. And I don't just mean like dollar bills that <laughs> smelled like baby oil and sex, but I mean. <laughs> that 
That's the name of yeah. our first album, by the way. Yeah. It smells like baby oil and sex. <laughs> it's a mixtape. It's not an album proper. Um, it's just excerpts of the podcast played over smooth jazz. <laughs> John Tesh and Kenny G. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, but he would always he would also. So a lot of the pictures were were actually like pictures of the things that he collected, not just the women. <laughs> Man, this just like sets itself up. Um, but he would always bring in calendars for us every year, and the calendars were of course like full nude calendars. Right, right. But he'd just come in and be like. Hey, Brock, got a new stack of calendars for you. Thanks, Brad. <laughs> Is that a thing anymore? Do people still do calendars? Naked calendars, like in a, in a, I don't like know. to like advertise snap on tools or, or your, <laughs> or some fishing gear or whatever. Said like, you could have just said strap on tools for that matter. I mean, we're not getting sponsored by these groups. This I mean, is true. This, this is, is true. Yeah. I, I remember those like always in the back offices of like, you know, gas stations and, and or just in general in your uncle's home. Like in buxom, buxom right. brunettes and blondes with tool belts on and nothing else. Right. Tool belts and a smile. <laughs> right. <laughs> It was the same uncle that had the pin that you turned upside down and the girl stripped on it. So. Yeah. And the tattoo on his, his forearm when he flexed like she would dance. Wow. Things that um, go by the wayside. I guess I, I can't imagine a business today utilizing nudity to advertise sales. I, well, I mean, like Hooters pink. is still around, though. Right, but and, and, and there's like, a place called Twin Peaks, which is an allusion to boobs. I've never been there. I don't know. I mean, I really haven't been there. That's um, <laughs> one of my. Uh, I, I thought it was a David Lynch inspired restaurant, but <laughs> but apparently it was not. You just, you come in and the host is a backwards talking little person, like, <laughs> and you have to order the same way. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, Hooters, like Hooters is like, it's like Maxim magazine though, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, like yeah, a watered yeah. down Disney-fied version of sex. Yeah. It's not, and, and, and look, not to say that like a catalog with boobs or a, uh, a calendar with boobs in it is exactly like Hustler or anything like that. But like, <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't know. It seemed like it was a little bit more dangerous than, like, I don't even like, I know for a while, like Playboy went straight up. Like where they weren't doing, they were only doing, um, they kind of went the Maxim route after Maxim and all those other magazines yeah. went away. But like for a while, they were not doing nudity. They at were all. really doing articles. <laughs> right. I mean, like, but, but, but like, like they used to. Right. I mean, right. Um, and then, and then I, I have a collection of vintage I, Playboy I, I just for they, the articles. <laughs> right. Just for the racism. Right. It's just the, <laughs> I collect racist. Vintage Playboy articles, mostly by John Wayne, but uh, <laughs> Brock is the the connoisseur. <laughs> He's got the foremost collection of racist Playboy articles, racist Playboy articles. and all throughout the Southwest. <laughs> I usually will break them out on first dates. <laughs> Did you want to hear about what Nixon said about the so, Jews? Like, so, you got to read this. Right, it's crazy. Wait, no, no, not there. Don't look at the boobs. Go to the. <laughs> keep flipping. Keep flipping. Yes, yes, yes. I know the, the grooming standards were different back then. Just keep. <laughs> It's coming back. Everything. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> 2024, the year of the pube. 
we're bringing it back. <laughs> it's been 50 years. We're going to come right back. <laughs> this is a movie podcast, right? I don't even know what the fuck is happening. <laughs> um, well, well, somehow this will be, I don't know, edited and chopped up and um, but saved for posterity. All of that being said, we need to read the Britney Spears memoirs yeah. so we can comment it on here. Yeah. So this is something you have to look forward to is us commenting on and talking about the new Britney Spears memoir. And I think we're going to, we're going to, I think it's called the woman in me. I think is that what's going on along those lines. One more time. Yeah. <laughs> but I think we're going to veer towards the audiobook because it's being read by Michelle Williams um, or Jen from Dawson's Creek. Is she doing it in that character? I asked you this earlier. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't respond. I know. <laughs> um, yes, she is yeah. doing it. That's how I know my jokes don't land. <laughs> Look, I got, I've got work to do. I, can't, like, <laughs> I know I bother you with bullshit all the time. Like, <laughs> I was going to say. Like, what yeah. happened to Amanda? Pe like, at 11 o'clock right. last night, I t texted you, what happened to Amanda Pete? Or no, no, no. Last night at 11 o'clock, you texted me the Britney Spears, the Michelle Williams. <laughs> the Amanda Pete thing was during when I was teaching. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I just look at students and go, oh, look. You're all adults. This is college. I just need to respond to this text real fast. <laughs> this is pressing stuff. We this need is, to get to the bottom of this. You're right. Right. I'm like, hang on, guys. Hang on. Wait, wait. Right. I was just, I just been for, um, given a question. I hadn't thought about it in a while. And I, <laughs> I, I know we're talking about Dante's Inferno and sort of the dangers <laughs> of staying neutral in serious situations. But speaking of serious situations, Michelle Williams is reading Britney Spears. And side question. What happened to Amanda Peet? <laughs> really, what happened to Amanda Peet? <laughs> Brock Meyer. Have you watched Brock Meyer uh, with Hank Azaria? No, and no, I haven't. I guess the aforementioned Amanda The Pete. first season is pretty, um, it's a pretty nasty show in like all the best ways. Yeah. So, yeah, she, um, there's a scene where she and Hank Azaria end up dating. Well, they just kind of like have sex. And she gets pregnant and they go to get an abortion pill, but she has an aversion to taking pills. <laughs> and so she crushes it up and she's going to snort it. But of course, they're doing lines of other stuff and he does <laughs> plan B. Pill. <laughs> and so they go back to the doctor and he's like, take it right now. Just take it right now. <laughs> what do you mean you snorted it? What do you <laughs> anyway, um, <clears throat> Should we start this fucking yeah, show? Let's, okay, let's let's we got movies. To talk well, about. Um, Jason, before we actually dive into the movies, I have a couple corrections or mea culpas oh, from last did episode. Did we say something stupid? I, well, I did. Wrong? I did. I said something wrong. Oh, and because I'm not really going to say I'm sorry because look, I love you means never having to say I'm sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but on the last episode, I mistakenly made reference to Sydney Lamette via Sydney Pollack. Okay. I mentioned Eyes Wide Shut, which stars oh, Sidney Pollack. And I just, I just went right over it. But you were talking about Sydney Lumet yeah. directing a remake of Gloria. You know, I get that. I do do that occasionally yeah. as well. And that's probably why I didn't even think anything of it. Because I was just was like, okay, yeah, maybe that right. is the same guy. And I also. And Lumet has, Lumet has, no, well, Pollock directs. So that's the other thing, too. Yeah, that's why it's yeah. Too. Pollock's a director and this, this really kind of delicious actor. Whenever right. he shows up, you're like, oh, this is going to be good. He's going to do something. I also referenced Paul Mescal being in Passages, but that was wrong. Paul Mescal is in a film called All of Us Strangers, directed by Andrew Hay, which has very similar themes to Passages. Fran Dragowski, however, is in Passages, a film we're going to talk about today, <laughs> along with You Won't Be Alone, the latest Fort Worth Film Club screening, and of an age, which is another film by 
the director of You Won't Be Alone, Goran Stolevsky. Um, so today's episode is just a wrestling with all of the weirdness of human nature. There you go. Yeah. I, I would say just to the listener and, and to you, don't don't feel like you have to correct your I know that we come across as like, you know, intellectual elites when it comes to film. And I get that. And I get that. You want well, to be I, correct. I do that with everything. Right. We're right. No, but if, uh, specifically on this podcast, it's about film um, and then everything else we talk about on this podcast. But I don't think we need to go because one, I mean, if you're I don't know if you're, it's going to be caught, to be quite honest. And right. Like, and right. like it we would spend half an episode like correcting ourselves. This is true. But I caught it and I'm willing to admit when I have misstepped. Okay. Right. With I'm my like expertise. And, and, and let's so. just, let me say this on behalf of everyone out there that your apology is accepted. And it wasn't an apology. Forgiven. I told you it wasn't an apology. It was a correction. <laughs> right. Regardless of what it was. I love you means never having to you say you're forgiven. sorry. <laughs> Anyway, Jason, do you just walk down the staircase. Catalogs? Just walk down the staircase. It's not that hard. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about passages. <laughs> wait, wait. Do you want to start with passages? Sure. Let's start with passages. Oh, okay. All right. You know what I was doing last night? No, but whatever it was, you sound very excited. If my party and my husband doesn't want to dance with me. I'll dance with you. Maybe we have to take more risk. I so now you're falling in love with someone else, you're taking that risk. Think what's happening between us. You cannot change someone like him. What they think, what they want to do. I think I'm falling in love with you. Say that under the image. I say it when I feel it. You say it when it works for you. I felt something that I hadn't felt in a very long time. This is what always happens, we just forget. This will be, I think this will be an interesting conversation because <laughs> if you didn't catch that sort of disdain in Jason's voice, he wasn't a huge fan of passages. <laughs> Not that I need to speak for him, but here is a very brief logline. A gay couple's marriage is thrown into crisis when one of them impulsively begins a passionate affair with a young woman. Yeah, there's a lot wrong with that. I mean, I know you read that. But there's a lot wrong. I don't, I don't mean what I'm saying is I don't believe that you're wrong. I believe that what you read is wrong. Oh, like he's not starting to be impetuous. Like this is an asshole throughout the entire like his entire life has been built upon being an asshole. Right, right. No, I said impulsively. Right. Even then, right. that's all he does. Is right. Everything is impulsive. So, yeah, well, yeah. And everything is self-serving. Right. Yes. And I think and I think we're alerted to this immediately. Right. Because. I mean, one, by the way, he just talks to the extras in this film he's shooting. So Franz Rogowski plays Tomas. He's this, uh, I guess, kind of an auteur. He's, he's some kind of director. Work, he's German and working in France. And he just kind of like berates these people in the film because one guy won't walk down the stairs the way he wants. And then the extras, he's like, what are you doing? Just hold your drink. Hold your drink this way. Why is this empty? Which I thought was a good kind of question. <laughs> but, you know, when he... 
when he goes back home to talk to his husband, Martin, he, you know, he confesses this kind of, you know, sleeping with a woman. And Martin says, this always happens after you finish a film, kind of implying that he loses his mind a little bit whenever he doesn't have this thing to keep him busy. Yeah, I would gather that the film doesn't help him any. That this, is, <laughs> this is who this guy is. Right, but we're not supposed to like him. I understand. <laughs> I understand that we're not supposed to like him, but you have to. Okay, so I mean, let me lay out a little bit more of the plot. So okay. basically, he's you know, it's in an after party. Um, one of the extras, PAs, you know, interns on the film turns down one of the actors and goes and dances with the director. Mm. Can you remember what's what the direct with Martin and Tomas? It's Tomas, right? It's Martin and Tomas. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then Agatha or Agatha or Agatha or whatever. Agat. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, look, these are <laughs> Agat is a French name. I don't know if it's meant to be Agatha in English. I mean, we're kind of heathens when it comes sure. to that. But right. yeah. Um, so look, Adele X Harpocalus. Yes. Yeah. She's wonderful in this. <laughs> she's fantastic. Um, yeah. Very magnetic and like just, yeah, she's, she's great. And she has this like air about her. It's kind of like exuding like an innocence, but also like a worldliness in the same vein. It's, it's really she, like off-putting and like, but you know, in the best way. She looks sleepy and sexy. <laughs> yes, that, that, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's how, I, oh, never mind. Never mind. Never <laughs> don't. Mind. don't. <laughs> Just, you said it was perfect. That's all you needed to say. So she dances with him. Uh, they sleep together. He confesses to his husband. Um, they split up. He moves in with her. Uh, as soon as that happens, he rushes back to his husband. His husband's uh, involved with another much more compelling man um, as an, he's an author. Um, and he basically just ping pongs back in between mm -hmm. in, in, in mm -hmm. and out of these people's lives. As soon as he, um, you know, gets some sort of attention, uh, he, you know, basically becomes fickle again and, and then moves on. Mm -hmm. uh, he ends up knocking up a gut. And um, I shouldn't say it like that. He ends up impregnating a god. I don't know why I said it like some. He ends up knocking a bitch up. I don't even know why. It's just like whatever, man. He ends up ha he ends up knocking, making his his female person pregnant, and um, that was that was so that was much, much better, better right? <laughs> and she invites him to a dinner with her parents, and he completely botches that, like runs roughshod over them, and then it, it really is just a matter of him bouncing back and forth between the two of them. Until the two of them essentially say they have enough. He tries to like weirdly combine the two relationships saying that, you know, Martin had always wanted a child and somehow he was going to make all very kind of, you know, uh, not really thought well thought out plan of how, how this was yeah. all going to come together and, and take the child from a God or like bring them all together. But so Martin could have a child. And of course, by this point, no one's having it. A God has an abortion. And, um, you know, they both basically uh, reject him at the end of the film and he's riding his bike through France and or Paris and uh, which is obviously in the same place. It's just <laughs> much more narrowed down. Uh, <laughs> and that's that's the end of your 90 minutes. And, and that's it. Uh, yes, we're not supposed to like Tomas. No. My problem with this film is, is there's nothing about Tomas that would make me think that Agat or Martin would ever be a drawn or would suffer this level of foolishness mm. from this man. Mm. And so now we're just left with a guy who 
dresses the way that he dresses and then and is just an asshole like there's to, <clears throat> that was my problem with the movie and it is that there was really to me there was nothing compelling about tomas and there was and so i would have liked to have heard agat or martin's story to understand mm-hmm. why they were allowing this person because you don't really get that he's so insecure and you i mean we called him an auteur but like the first test screening of his film goes poorly and he's mm-hmm. distraught and then he is horrifically shitty when his, when the second test screening goes goes well but one would think that a person who was truly an auteur would have a lot more confidence in their own abilities um and understand the process everyone else he's an, he's a, a child and and these other two seemingly well put together individuals and again, it's 90 minutes. It's not a very long storyline, but they do sin- tend to suffer. I-, I understand why a god gets together with him in the first place. But as soon as, like, why are you letting him move in? And, like, why mm. are you continually being with him when you know he's bouncing back to his husband? Um, and knowing that he left his husband for, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It, it, it I just, it, he was so distasteful that I just kind of was like, I'm ready for this fucking thing to be over with. <laughs> so, so it sounds like to me you've had much healthier relationships than I have <laughs> because <laughs> because I saw a lot of compelling things in Tomas and let me clarify that that it is clear from the beginning that he is toxic that he only cares about himself but then there is also this sort of flash or magnetism about him where you're like mm, okay I'll maybe see where this goes and then there's even more when he comes after he hurt you the first time he comes back and apologizes and apologizes and you're like okay we'll we'll see how this goes again knowing in the back of your head like this is going to end badly but mm, it's kind of fun <laughs> and so and so I mean like I <clears throat> well, see, that's the thing too. I don't think that that for me, I never saw Martin and Agat actually having any fun mm. in this scenario. And like the author, I forget the character's name, um, the African American author who's uh, in love with Martin or it dates Martin at least. And like when he, when Martin breaks up with him, he's like, "This is a you know, this Ahmad. is a mod." He's Ahmad. like, "This is a tragedy. You're this. You're you're both going to be ruined yes. by this. Yes, if you go back to him." And he's like, "I can't. I didn't ever see why like." <clears throat> There's got to be some sort of give to that, you know, to that relationship. And if it's just, and that's the other thing about this movie is that it kind of sets itself up to be this kind of sexy film. And it's really not. It's really like, there's not, I mean, like, yeah, there's elongated sex scenes and there's, but I didn't need to see Tomas's feet that much, to be honest. Sure. So, like that sure. was. <laughs> sure. No, I, I, well, but do you think, I mean, it's. Don't you think it's sexy in a different way other than just the sex? I mean, I think there is an attractiveness to Rogowski in, I mean, it's it's a very kind of like, like you said, sort of, ch- I want to make sure I say this right. It's, it, yeah, it's, I understand. it is a, an immature attractiveness where he is clearly kind of in, in a state of arrested development. But the way he sort of moves, the way that he... <clears throat> The way he dresses, the way he has temper tantrums. <laughs> this is, I think there's a kind of sexiness imbued there. And I think that, I think that Tomas is this kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to say that he is like all artists, but he's a kind of artist who has no idea what to do when he's not making this thing. And the only thing he wants to do is make this thing. And that's the only sort of thing that he lives in service for, not other people. 
right? And so this kind of impetuousness, this kind of like, but that's also attractive to some people. I mean, fuck, look at Picasso. Right. Or, I mean, right. No, I'm with you, you know, and, 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 and like, we still love his work and, and women still flock to him. And you're not going to tell me that like these other like models didn't tell the other models, like this guy's a dick. <clears throat> I just. Yeah. And I get that. <clears throat> that was the other thing too, is that he didn't seem like he had like the level of fame nor mm. like this was not, it would be one thing if we saw everyone being drawn to him, but he's clearly a prick to almost everyone he meets. Yes. And, that, and, and to be fair, the one scene that really was where I liked him the most was the dinner scene with the parents. Yeah. But that's where come, we get some empathy for him. Right. Right. Because he comes in, and he's like, look, I can tell you that I'm going to stay with a guy all you want. I can lie to you. I can tell you all these things. You won't know what's going to happen until it happens. So why are we having so that that idea of like, I'm not going to have these ridiculous conversations to tell you just something you want to hear, mm -hmm. because what the fuck does it mean? It means nothing. So let's skip past all of that <laughs> yeah. and let's just have dinner. And the mom just kind of berates him, too, and sort of <laughs> asks him these right. questions where you're like, you already know. I mean, and and. Agat even says, you already know this. Why are you asking again? And she's like, well, I want to hear from him. And that's like such a bullshit like, <laughs> thing. Like, you know these things. You don't need to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, oh, so. I wanted to go. I mean, going back to like the director and sort of this guy at a certain level. Something that I think we see in a lot of films that aren't Hollywood films are artists, successful artists, living in a different way than we see them here. Where much more workmanlike, less so kind of rich celebrity. I mean, look at, um, oh, no, I can't remember her name. This is, this is great content. <laughs> but <laughs> we, we, we see, I think, you know, French directors living in places like he mm -hmm. lives in. Right? I mean, we, we see this in different films. We see this depicted just not here. We see Martin, who looks like he's a a printer, another kind of artist, right? He looks like he's a printmaker on some level of commercial and industrial, right. both. And and so what I think what I'm getting at is I like how this film depicts art as <clears throat> kind of workmanlike, workmanlike, but still like important in how and what we're creating, just not so precious and so sort of. Um, oh, these people are rich celebrities and, and like stars, right? Because even Ahmad, who's a, a novelist and editor, he's kind of like, I think I'm going to stop writing. I don't, I don't know that I want to do this anymore. But it's <laughs> I just I people a, to think of me as a writer. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it, but it, again, it's, it's, it's this kind of less showy version of, of the artist and of the star. And I guess I just never got that he was ever had the charisma or the self I, the, 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 you know, the self-confidence in himself to, I mean, obviously that's repeating itself, but uh, <laughs> he never had the self-confidence to kind of like draw in these people. Like even mm -hmm. when he's dancing with the God at the beginning, he's kind of still inside of himself mm -hmm. and unsure. And then the way that he behaves about his film, the only time you see him assertive is at the beginning when he's being an asshole on set right. and when he's being an asshole at the dinner. It, there are There are certain flourishes where... If he is filled with emotion, um, you know, then he goes off to Martin and is like, I don't, I'm going to burst in and I'm going to take over and I'm going to do all these things. And I can see, yeah, that, I mean, to Martin, who may have not had anybody and maybe it's, it's hard for me to believe. And it's weird, like, because you really don't talk about the marriage. Like, you don't really mm -hmm. talk. So it's weird to me that the, that the synopsis includes the tidbit that they're married, because I don't think it really adds anything to the story, per se. 
No, other than I mean, you get that they're in a committed relationship, yeah. right? You get there because they yeah. have a house, they have a, a vacation home together, um, and you know, obviously they're living together, yeah. and and but you also feel like that's so uh, temporal because he immediately moves out and it's like they're splitting up books and you know and, right. and 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 they immediately moves in with with a god. So you would think that, and also that would be another <laughs> one of those things where like. I kind of, I just, maybe I think I wish this was a little bit more fleshed out. I would have liked sure. to have seen a lot of the, the hesitance from a guy to just let him move in. Yeah. Um, that seemed like, because again, almost immediately he settles into utilize, to using her mm-hmm. as a domestic really. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and, and so, and again, you would expect, I you know, I, I guess maybe I went into this with expectations of this being a lot more passionate and like fiery mm. than it ended up actually being mm. and i know that there were there were moments right but the, really with the guy you only get it at one particular point in time it's really like <laughs> i think you know i look and i say that i didn't really enjoy watching this film i do think it was well put together i think that it was really well shot and i think all the i think the three leads are really good yeah i think the scene when he's in the bathtub and he's almost baby-esque and where yeah. he's just like and she's kind of like laughing at him and he's like i'm very happy to be here and she's like uh, are you happy too and he's like yeah sure why not <laughs> but, i mean that's not how she reacted but that's essentially what the, what she was saying it's like okay whatever yeah sure sure you're, you're naked in my you got a naked grown man in my bath taking a bath yes i'm happy you're here yeah i to this idea of how it's made and how it's shot, I, I really, I think, responded to that, and 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 I understand, even if I don't fully agree, like why you don't, why you don't like it. But I mean, that's that's what makes this podcast so critically ignored, <laughs> right? <laughs> but but I think that it does. I I really like how it moves. I like how Sax kind of controls the pace. I like that it feels, um brisk but kind of unhurried right but also kind of like chaotic but still controlled right and i think that it's edited really well as well i think it's cut together really nice so i mean yeah in the in the performances i think are just fantastic i mean you know exarpocalypse i mean she like i said is sleepy and sexy and has this kind of you know confidence and sort of self-awareness too and, and so does wishaw i don't think that these two are victims of him i think that they still have enough agency into it and you know up to a certain extent and where they're just like okay that's it i'm done right really i'm done get away because it would be easy the easy thing would have been one of them to go back to him or like let him back in right and then the cycle continues on but neither of them do right yeah i mean this takes this takes a you know a a good turn and again not Mm -hmm. to say that that abortion's a good turn but it is but it is her taking back control of her. I'm mm-hmm. realizing that this is going nowhere and that this is a bad idea and that she can't, the, the, to see this through would only lead to more of this. And, and now you would bring a child. More abortions. <laughs> yes, more abortions. Seeing this through only leads to more abortions. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, like, I, I think your mileage may vary. I, I do believe, I, I, for me, I wanted to see a glimpse of charisma in Tomas that I didn't see. I wanted to find something that was compelling about him, even though he was a piece of shit. Yeah. To believe, make me believe that Martin and Agat would, would upend their lives for this person so openly and freely. Um, 
without ever speaking up for themselves as he's running kind of roughshod over them until they absolutely have to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they they try, but then again, they, they get bulldozed and they kind of go back until, yeah, until finally they, they sever it. Um, I did like the last scene, too, where, you know, after being rejected by first by Martin and then next by Adele, Tomas is just on his bicycle sort of riding aimlessly through Paris as Paris is sort of coming to life right, for the evening, as these school children are playing in the street and he rides by. And, and he's just this sort of lonely, this might be the only moment where he seems to sort of accept that he fucked up. Right. Right. And, and, and of course, then that's it. That's the end of the movie. Right. right. But I do, I do like that. I think it's a, I think it's a pretty beautiful, you know, ending. Um, yeah. I like this more than you did. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I have a question. I don't know if we want to sort of transition into of an age or the other film, mm. um, but I think of an age plays better because it goes directly right, into right. So ex- no, exactly, and that's and that's where this question comes from. Is like, do we have different expectations on quote unquote queer stories than we would heteronormative stories? And and, and I'm sorry, queer love stories versus heteronormative love stories. Uh, expectations. How, I just mean, mean like, are there things that we expect going in that we wouldn't expect? I, I, I find myself like maybe unfairly judging the routine story, right? I mean, like, because mm-hmm. because we've seen it so many times in a heteronormative way. Like, so take this sex scene in Passages, which becomes overlong to me anyway. And like, and I get that it's passion, but it's. I, and so I feel like that's almost a statement of saying like also heteronormative shots or sex yeah. shots are boring and overlong and ridiculous as well. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that they're on. But I was just like, OK, well, this is where right, we're going. And, that's, and it wasn't because it was a homosexual sex scene. It was just because it was a. OK, okay we were we're good. <laughs> right. That's right. I get stuff. I get it. Yeah. Right. Well, I think often I mean, I think this is often sex scenes are gratuitous. Right. Any anyway, there's a a performative sort of gaze aspect to it rather than than an actual i don't know passion part to it right right no but but i feel like it's a a nice twist on these stories to put them in a queer light right but also it's like we were talking about with real women have curves in these stories where we're normalizing finally cultures that needed to be normalized but also we're still telling pedantic and pedestrian sure, stories. Sure. And so I don't think it's fair to ask them to tell exceptional stories every single time out of the gate. Yeah. Um, but also I, we've seen pedantic and pedestrian mm-hmm, stories mm-hmm. being told, uh, you know, historically use, utilizing white and straight characters. And so to see that same quarter sort of play, play out, I understand representation is important. But also from a moving going perspective, it's not it, once you start seeing them, it, it, you, the, the, the repetition and the formula becomes clear and it gets to be kind of difficult. So to kind of really invest and not to start to pick apart the pieces of it all. So, I mean, I think with passages where it's so well acted, you can kind of get past that. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked of an age if we want to dive right. in. Well, just I, kind of, I, well, I just we wanted going? to say about I, I wanted to say about passages where I mean, I, I saw that I, I kind of wanted to add on to that where I see passages as this kind of. 
you know, take on messy, complicated, but contemporary relationships where this is a love triangle, yes, and it's different because it's it's two men and a, and a woman. And there is this, you know, towards the end, this veering towards a kind of polyamory, mm-hmm. which, I mean, right. doesn't, doesn't happen. And, and so, I mean, I think it does bring it into a little bit more of a modern kind of concept in that way, too. Um, where, I mean, yes, I mean, the love triangle is an old story. I mean, I do think there is a different spin when you when you sort of have the fluidity of this kind of sexuality in a film. Yeah, like I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yes, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear you liked Of an Age because I liked it as well. I remember growing up. I was convinced I'd travel the world. Just meet these mind-blowing people. Connect. Jesus. You're like 11. 19 in like three weeks. Are you jaded yet? You jaded. Shut up. You're like my sister, is that it? Ew. No, but we're more like really good friends. Yeah, but he's tight. Night's out with boys. I was not out with boys, I was with Cole. Cole is not boys. I know she can be like a mess, but I don't really have any other friends. You gotta play off the dramatic Dana. Is this actually a dance costume? Just wanting some serious cleavage. What's all this? So my ex is stuck. <laughs> Your ex is gonna kill me. Oh, chill. He won't. What's going on? That's my going away dinner. I need fine. Tomorrow, South America. Come on. He was gonna go for a drive. Can I come? Can I walk you to your door? Promise me I'll meet someone. It's a beautiful boy. We both be arriving right now. I'm a bitter old man these days. Shut up. You're happy. Because for me, life, Florence, to this one feeling. Do you want to do you want to dive into yeah, of an age? Yeah. Oh, I have to. Okay. Look, you, that's your job. All right. So don't, let's, let's not, let's, let's not. Look, look, do you want me to go through all my jobs? Here? <laughs> In the summer of 1999, a 17 year old Serbian born Australian amateur ballroom dancer <laughs> experiences an unexpected and intense 24 hour romance with a friend's older brother. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that's, it. that's it. Good show. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We liked it. So good. All right. So <laughs> no, no reason to say anymore. Thumbs um, up. So let me I want to ask another question about queer love stories. <laughs> um, are they inherently more tension filled than heteronormative heteronormative love stories? So what I mean is, is there already more at stake in a story like this than there would be with well, I think in of a 
of an age because of where they set the time frame. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. I think as we get past, you know, legalization of the marriage and, and as we get a more, you know, putting aside, putting a pen in the moment, you know, in the time frame we exist today. I mean, I think. God, as, please, please. <laughs> it's, a, it's fucking terrible. I think as we see more and more of these stories, I think the tension of oh shit, I've got to worry about also the ramifications of also being queer mm-hmm. start to fade. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily for me to say. So if I'm wrong in that, I, I will totally own it. Yeah. But that the more and more that these stories get told, and that's the reason we want these stories to be told in this light, is that the more and more these stories get told, the more and more they become normalized. And then we can remove that level of tension, just like you would have had with interracial relationships or, right. you know, and, and, and or, you know, any sort of, you know, sexual conduct in sort of a, you know, in the thirties and forties and movies like that, where it's taboo, right? So anything we hit and the more and more we tell these quote unquote taboo stories, that tension is undercut. Now this of an age is set in 1999 and then 2010. I do think that, you know, that probably would have been more more prevalent. So you do feel, but this movie doesn't really, um, you know, doesn't really posit that it's, that it's difficult for either one of these. I think it's one young person who doesn't, hasn't quite come to grip grips with himself until he's introduced to a male who is completely out in the open. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, he obviously finds out he's a compelling and interesting person before he finds out that he's gay. Um, but this is a person who is probably struggling and you feel like that he, I mean, obviously when he's on the phone, you know, he's trying to save Ebony and he's, is it Aya or Taya or John? something like that? Yeah, I forget. That. Yeah, says, "Oh, there's a gay boy here." And yeah. he's like, <laughs> like oh, even he's like, "I'm not gay." Like, and even if I were, what that doesn't have to do with anything? Like, <laughs> it's a funny line. The first it was like, really good. Twenty minutes of this movie are amazing. Well, it's probably not quite that long, but the first, the whole like segment of the the franticness of of. So this movie starts off with they're trying to get to a dance competition. and, and It starts off with her on the beach waking <laughs> up. I mean, this is what's so kind of disorienting, too, is right. that it starts with Ebony waking up from a basically a night out, right? And you don't have any idea what happened. She doesn't have any idea. She doesn't have any idea. And she runs to a telephone. And, like you, and so you cut back uh, to see the dancing. Um, and so they're supposed to be both going to a dance competition. And she's calling him frantically on the phone. And she's like... You've got two hours to get there and she's an hour away, <laughs> you know, the opposite direction because she did a little a, a hyphen of speed, which I found was a great line. She's like, I didn't even do a line. I didn't I didn't even have a line. It was a hyphen, like a hyphen, hyphen of speed. <laughs> <laughs> Ebony's a group. And see, so if we want to go and again, I don't want to continue to harp on passages. No, that's a, but I think but that's if, OK, because I think it's hard to talk about these two films without talking about the other one. But if Ebony is Tomas, then I find that. Ebony is compelling. I understand why you go back to a train wreck like Ebony. Yeah, no, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) But you want to stay away from, I mean, because Ebony will eventually, like, that's the thing about Tomas is that the codependency is Mm. so unattractive Mm. that Ebony's reluctance and, you know, not reluctance, but her, her need to, she doesn't have a need to be aligned with anyone. So, I mean, it's it really everyone lives in her world. Everyone lives in Tomas's world, but you don't really know why. Ebony, it makes sense to me why <laughs> you live in Ebony's world. She's a fucking mess, but yeah, but she's also probably a hell of a lot of fun to be around. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, I, yes. 
<laughs> I'm surprised we didn't see Ebony like start a fight, like an actual fist fight somewhere. Right. That like her brother and Cole had to sort of take <laughs> care of and like jump in and, you know, diffuse. Um, those are my friends. Like <laughs> <laughs> I had friends just like Ebony who were, who were just friends. Right. But yeah, they would start anyway. That the, the phone call is uh, it, look, this movie starts off. I mean, it, this is a good movie. This movie starts off ridiculously strong with that mm -hmm. phone call and now mm -hmm. that back and forth and Ebony basically calling him frantic, not knowing where she's where she is, telling him to come pick her up. <laughs> and she's at the same time telling him to stop yelling at her, but also calling him an idiot for not knowing where she is or like where where to, how to help or how to like, get there. At a certain point, she turns on him. It's like, wait a minute. You haven't suggested anything good at all. Like, what's, <laughs> what's your fucking problem? Like, she's the one causing all this problem. <laughs> She's the one who's going to keep him out of getting into college um, because they can't finish this. And because you're thinking that he's going to go to art school or, or that this dance competition is important enough yeah. to, for yeah. their future. And they're in the finals and yeah. um, that they're missing it is a big deal. Uh, <laughs> and so he employs um, one of uh, Ebony's brother's friends um, to get him on the phone so they can go and pick her up without notifying her mother. And then on the drive out there, he's in this like sequined dance, you know, the dance suit, like skin tight dance suit with his, sh <laughs> with his shirt open. Yeah, it's a, it's a ballroom dance. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're just dry. So they, they start talking to one another over, over a drive and, and uh, you know, very slyly comes out that he's actually gay. Um, and he then, has his ex's stuff in the back. Right, and, right. And, and I think Cole says something like, well, won't your ex mix, miss this or whatever? And Adam, that's the brother's name, goes, no, he won't. <laughs> and he, right. So he uses that. And then you see, I mean, Cole, Cole stiffens up. up, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. he, he kind of recoils. And then ultimately kind of like relaxes, which I felt was a really nice scene, right? That tension was kind of like, as soon as he leveled back in and he really you know he, he he stiffens up and then ebony comes right back into the picture and you feel like this is performative for ebony as well mm. where he's like starts to call him bro and like yeah. starts to like use <laughs> that like, was great right <laughs> sick ass bro right and, and the brother's like bro did they say sick ass in 1999 sick as right okay yeah. whatever but, but no i don't know i, don't I i'm I like don't. well but this is australia it's true we're not australian <laughs> um what were we saying in 1999 I don't know. I don't I'm remember. Sure. Yeah. I need to go back and look at my Playboy articles to see what they were just saying back then. <laughs> well, in 99, they had no articles. It was right. just, then it was just pictures. <laughs> it was just all um, <laughs> girls of the SEC. <laughs> Not the Securities and Exchange Commission, but the actual <laughs> Southeastern <laughs> Conference. Uh, <laughs> I think the car ride is really a, a, just a great moment. One of the stronger moments, I, I think, in this film. The, how the two of them, I think play off of one another how so much gets done and said in a look in a reaction right in a in a small gesture right when he's driving and it's hot so he takes his shirt off i mean stuff well, like that i think and, is, and that that's portion of it too is, is like after. A, well yeah after he comes out is you know after he comes out um the coal and coal recoils it's kind of a, I recognize who you are, Cole. Yeah. So let's, let's see yeah. where this goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but it's, but exactly. And I, but I think that's so well done and so sort of smart because the brother sort of looks first and then, <laughs> and then they both sort of gang up on Ebony, 
Because she's being a bitch. Right. 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 <laughs> no, because that's who sucks, she is. Right? She sucks. Yes. Yes. And I mean that in like the most affectionate way possible. <laughs> right. <laughs> but and then that kind of breaks the ice again. And yeah. You know what I found funny too is that when they go, I guess, to the mall to get food, is that she's actually in her dress, like in the dancing dress. There was really no. Oh, because they brought. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. Because he brought <laughs> changes. And he had like t-shirts and stuff in the car it wasn't mm-hmm. like she had to change into no. that dress but now she's just in that dress because so, it looks amazing on her so it's just like <laughs> and they just like give up they're just like eh, all right let's go get some food <laughs> right <laughs> which again going back to passages is another like you understand why they give up with ebony it's because yeah. it's still like you're still in that kind of that orbit well and you understand that like there is no point in fighting with her right you're going to lose right you have she... no chance <laughs> right <laughs> Um, yeah. And I, and, and you see Cole, he's, he's disappointed, but I think he's just sort of it, at this point in his life, he doesn't know. I think, you know, you said this, he doesn't know who he is. He has no idea. He has one friend and it's her. And right. so and he's family, going, his mom is not, you know, his mom's working three jobs. And so she's not around. He's living with his uncles who are you know, uh, conservative Eastern European. Right. Right. They're, you know, they spend their time watching, they they spend their time watching sports and, and, you know, basically making gay jokes and, and, uh, you know, and and chastising and being waited on by women. Right. When they don't know he's gay, but like, always he, he's, he doesn't care about the football. He doesn't care about soccer. (laughs) What are you wearing? Oh, he's going to dance. Okay. Right. 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 And this is ridiculous. Right. And so, yeah, they might not know he's gay, but, they think he's a sissy anyway. <laughs> right, right. Right. Um, so, I mean, it makes even more sense that he is willing to be submissive to this one girl who's willing to hang out with him and sort of be a quote unquote friend. And even like her brother's like, why are you hanging out with my sister? She sucks. <laughs> right. and he's like, and he's, I think he says like, I don't know. I don't have any other friends. Right. Yeah. And like, I, yeah, you're right. But you have to no one else. The friendship was born out of the dancing, right? And it's it's, yeah. a, it's a means to an end. Yeah. Too. And then she sees that he can that she sees that she can control him, sort of get him to do. I mean, again, like he goes through all this work to go find her, <laughs> right? right. And, and 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 does she ever say thanks? No, of course no. Not. That's but, right. but it's like so why, right? <laughs> why? <laughs> In fact, she's pissed that it takes so long, right? right? I mean, it's, where and, have you and been? Like, the first thing she asks is for air conditioning in the car and like you know it's so it's just it's more demands upon demands upon demands and she's just like crumpled in the phone booth when they get there (laughs) (laughs) she's got no shoes i I know what it's like to wake up not knowing your shoes are (laughs) (laughs) so they end up going to a party um well they end up getting invited to a party by one of adam's gay friends we assume that it's um you know or at least somebody who knew him in the past yeah like uh, and none of them want to go, obviously. Um, except for except Ebony. Except for Ebony wants to go because it's at this girl's house that she kind of doesn't like anyway. Yeah. And it's a party. Right. And it's a party she can, yeah. Uh, so they go to the party. like, And, you know, so there's a lot of, there's still now tension is building up yeah. between well, and, and Adam and Cole. Cole doesn't go with them. Right. Ebony calls him later and so, she's like, where are you? <laughs> He's like, I what just are you talking to, about? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And so, no, no, and so, so Cole shows up to the party and is essentially ignored by Ebony when he gets there. And like, and, and the only saving portion of it is that Adam actually happens to be there as well. Yeah. Adam finally, yeah. most likely Adam brought her there Ooh. and is just hanging out. So wait, I have to ask a question because I want to see if I heard this right when I was watching the film where 
he's walking around looking for Ebony, right? Have you seen Ebony? Have you seen Ebony? Have you seen Ebony? And then when Ebony finds him, she's like, quick, come on, we got to go. I, I, there's this cute boy looking for me. And he's like, oh, that was me. <laughs> she's like, no, 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 a, a cute boy was looking for me. He's like, no, I'm right. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think she ends up saying he's white, right? It was like he's like yeah, yeah. and he's like, what does that have? <laughs> but I just okay, <laughs> I just thought, man, she just dismisses him at like every turn, right? Right. It weirdly comes out that the owner of the this is an odd section for me, and I guess it, it just kind of shows the alienation, and maybe this is one of the the kind of themes that doesn't really get, or maybe I maybe it was just lost on me was. Um, his immigrant status in Australia and how difficult that was for mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know there there is a kind of a racist aspect at the house where when when he wakes up, like everyone basically abandons him at the house. He wakes up and you know, by himself and wanders out. And the 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 girl who is house it is is like get the fuck out of here. You know, do you want my fiance to you know come kick yeah. you? Because he would love to kick your ass. Um, and, you know, it's basically pointedly saying you're not welcome here. Uh, I, so that was kind of the one aspect of it. I was like, this film is trying to say something. And I'm not quite sure I'm picking up everything that's trying to say about the immigrant experience in Australia. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and maybe that's, it's one failing, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe it's just, maybe it was just assumed if you, if you're from that region, you'd understand those, those. That and if you have dynamic. a weird last name. Called Dinich, right? And, and a lot of times that's his last name, and, and people will call him Dinick, and he corrects them, Dinich, right? Um, so yeah, maybe it's just an overt, like, you're an immigrant, get out of here, right? We don't, uh, which we see, I think, in way too many countries now, right? Just that attitude. So Cole uh, and Adam have, have a, a, a moment together um, after he, I, I, you know, after he leaves and, and they, you know, um, and that's really, that's the, that's the end of act one and a half, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Adam's going off to, to start a PhD program. And after they sort of spend the night together, um, he drops Cole back off at his house and, and they have this like touching moment where he's like, Do you want me to walk you to the door. Yeah. And he's like, you know, no, my uncles wouldn't. And, and then he says, you know, how long does a PhD take? And he goes, oh, I'm sorry, that was a stupid question. And so you like, you understand like immediately, this is not what he's confessing to about how he doesn't, he didn't ever read or he didn't really understand the trial. <laughs> Kafka. Yeah. He didn't understand the books <laughs> yeah. that he was like, you know, trying to make himself look big yeah. with. And, yeah. uh, and that was clearly impressing Adam at the time anyway. Yeah. Um, so it kind of all kind of comes crashing down that he, in the realization that he's going to be left here again with basically no one. Right. Right. Um, he has this connection with this person that is going to end as soon as he gets out of the car and he doesn't know if it will ever be like rekindled. Right. right? And Adam kind of apologizes. Oh, he yeah. does apologize. And yeah. like, I mean, and you think maybe he's just apologizing for him having to go into his house full of like homophobic uncles but it's but it's all of it right yeah you know i'm sorry i'm sorry we didn't meet sooner i'm sorry that you're just now kind of coming with this realization i'm i'm sorry that i can't be here to help you through this i'm so yeah i mean so many things and then and then we cut right and we cut mm-hmm. to an icelandic volcano i found it very uh, odd uh, the splicing of this film because, i did too because we're two i mean this is another hour and 40 minutes and it's in a good hour and 10 where we've we've spent with these characters and then we flash forward 10 years Mm -hmm. uh to essentially ebony's wedding Mm -hmm. um and 
Tomas and Adam. Tomas. <laughs> then Tomas shows up out of passages. And it's a really fucking weird like crossover. Uh, but he just ruins everyone everyone's lives. It's it's, it's awful. Right. He just tries to sleep with everybody. Uh, Cole and Adam end up at the airport together. They've both been delayed because of the volcano. And they take and they end up taking a car and together yeah. to go. But we immediately see. I'm sorry, I just jump no, no, in and like be like, listen, no, Jason. <laughs> we immediately see a difference in Cole. Mm-hmm. And and I and I and I like how how he shows this where you know cole's waiting for his bag it 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 what's that called baggage claim baggage claim thank you this is a place known for <laughs> bag pickup um, <laughs> so that's what he's doing but we see him waiting for a bag and somebody bumps into him and in in, in a rude way and the cole we met before would have shrunk back and almost apologize for being in the way. But this guy doesn't, right? The new Cole doesn't. He stands firm and stares this guy right in the eye. And it's just kind of like, what the fuck, man? Like, what? What do you want? And so, I, I mean, I love it. He stands up straighter, right? He's bigger. Right. He looks, you know, he looks like someone you don't really want to mess with. Right. right? And, and, and yeah, I, so I think that transformation without having to say anything, right, just shows us that he has, he's grown into someone else, right? He's understood who he is now and sort of who he wants to be. And so I think that's a good piece of character development there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, They take a cab. All of what gets revealed like during this segment is, is heartbreaking and Mm -hmm. and wonderful, but like Mm -hmm. you feel like Cole has made this trip a few times, hoping to run into Adam. Yeah. Right. When we find out he was just there like not too long ago. (laughs) And that's how he got invited to the wedding. Mm -hmm. You figure that he probably wouldn't have come to the wedding because he hadn't talked to Ebony in almost five years. And he and obviously he's invited because he was there. He got and they they ran into him, and then and the mom was like, "Oh my gosh, you've got to invite him to the wedding." Mm-hmm. Um, and and but you feel like Cole has never been able to let go of this this relationship, and he talks about how he's you know met boys and 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 you know he's clearly an out gay man at this point. Yeah. Um, when we find out that his um, he hasn't seen his uncles. Right, he you can't know, go home. He right? can't go there. Right, his 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 mom and his brother live yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. she's ostracized as well, living with the brother who has a family, right, a wife and kids. And then he says, "Who does that? Who gets married?" <laughs> and we see Adam's face, and I think we know at that point, right. like, oh, this guy does. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say anything, but we're waiting. For, I think we're just waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for right. it. It's a cool like moment where he's like. Finally, he can kind of say fuck you to Ebony, like kind of her kind of basic bitch life that she's mm-hmm, leading at this moment. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah, it's a, that 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 duality of like, oh, shit, Adam. Yeah, Adam, <laughs> Adam is in a relationship, too. Mm-hmm. I, what I love about that, and obviously, you know, Cole is upset when he finds out that Adam is married and kind of takes a moment to kind of regain himself. And, and they and it culminates in the big dance scene with him and Ebony and everyone's like fawning all over them. And he's just like fuck you <laughs> right like, he, he gets this moment where he tells all these people who who wouldn't give him the time of day right 10 years ago who told him to leave their house to right. leave the country and now now you want now you want your turn on the dance floor <laughs> fuck off right yeah it's great it's it's great yeah i i really love the the i don't want to sleep with you moment oh yeah it's yeah. so so good yeah. like so they go back to so they 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 dance around and adam is flirting with cheating on his husband like you don't ever meet the husband but you you 
you see that there's still a connection there and there's a, still an attraction there. I mean, obviously they had a, a seminal moment together, um, but, you know, so there's a, a dance and they go back to their, uh, to a hotel room and both of them are like, I don't really want to sleep yeah. with you. And I don't want to say, yeah, I don't either. And it's like, well, what do you want to do? And they just kind of hold each mm -hmm. other. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, and that's yeah. really, you know, how the, the movie ends. It's really, really good. Um, that whole, like I said, it's it's a little jarring um, to only have that last kind of moment where Cole is for so such a such a short period of time a more confident, um, composed, and 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 you know just having the life you feel like he deserves to have, even yeah. though there's still a sadness in him that he still hasn't been able to find. We you know what Adam had given him, right? You know, whatever that might have been. And um, he says that right. I've I've known people I've been with, but I've never had. Right. This. And he's kind of like, I always thought I was so lucky to have had like that. Yeah. I, I love to, when they're, when they're walking back to Cole's hotel, they kind of stop outside and you don't know what's going to happen, which way they're going to go. And Adam just says, where's your key? And he takes it and Adam just takes the key and goes forward. And you're just like, that's such a baller move. <laughs> right. I mean, it's such a you're good right. move. Just like, okay. Yeah. And then again, I think, yeah, we're surprised when, when it just turns into a, a, a moment of compassion, a moment of holding each right. other. And really, it's Adam holding Cole. And at this point, like, the physical space or the physical difference between them is reversed from what it was before. Right? Right. We meet them before and we see Adam as, if not bigger, having a bigger presence, right? And now we see Cole and Cole kind of towers over him yeah. in a way that I didn't really recognize before. But it's still Adam doing the, the holding, right? right Adam is right. the big spoon. <laughs> it's, and it's, but again, it's this touching moment because Cole really just kind of breaks down at that point. Well, and he'd been cold to him at the wedding after he finds out that he was yeah, married and yeah. kind of like taking that on to kind of showboat a little bit and, and, mm -hmm. and kind of show maybe a little bit about of like what you're missing and, and what you could have had kind of thing. It's, it's a peacocking. It's a false <laughs> kind of, um, I think confidence, but. That's, I mean, I don't know. I, I think most of us have done something sure. similar. I, I find the the interaction between Ebony and Cole um, maybe a little self serving in that sense. Uh, mm -hmm. Because I don't know if I don't know if Ebony's like it, it, and maybe coming with age, it's different. But like, you never really get the indication that ebony really wanted cole to be at the wedding i just don't think she i, I think she just doesn't care like either way right yeah. and then like the the moment where she stares at him and he stares at her across and she kind of like gives him a knowing like loving look oh at the end there yeah, yeah. but it also looks like she is miserable in that moment too right which right. i really liked <laughs> right. i was like yeah you know well, this relationship's gonna suck yeah, because marriage is there's a scene where uh after the dance, they're in the restroom. And I kept thinking that the husband was the gay guy who came was at the at the at the restaurant who was Adam's oh, friend from before. I'm right. sure it's not, but they had a very yeah. similar look and build. Yeah. But there there's a moment in the, in the restroom where Cole and her husband are like next to one another, and the husband like completely does basically the same thing that Ebony has ever done. This completely dismisses him, yeah. even though he's had this huge moment on the dan on this wedding dance floor where it's this kind of sensuous dance that they're doing and everyone's gawking at them and yeah. he completely like doesn't even acknowledge that he's there. 
Also, I think that might be because a woman just ran out of the bathroom. Oh, really? I didn't catch that. Okay. <laughs> so there is, I think, an, um, an insinuation that the groom was just had a quickie in the bathroom with some other woman. Nice. Right? And then he comes out and sees Cole taking a leak. It's like, oh, I'm just not going to look. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot. There's a lot packed into that look. Yeah. If, if Ebony does realize that that. Um, you know, that Cole was more important to her than then. And this this kind of moment of maybe Cole recognizing that she finally recognizes that. It's a sweet moment. Mm -hmm. I'm not 100% sure it's fully earned, but yeah. it's a sweet moment either yeah, way. I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I do like it. It's kind of like the um, chasing Amy moment. Yeah, right? the, yeah. The, yes, <laughs> you yeah. can't see what I just do with my hands, but <laughs> Jason understood. If you've seen Chasing Amy, you know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> I... I've, another thing that I found that this movie did well, and I don't know if it was pointed, but, you know, Cole, when he meets Adam, is 19. Um, there's not a significant gap in their ages, maybe three to four years. Yeah. Um, so it seems like it's trying to very... To, to, to skirt a lot of the tropes that like something like call me by your name or like, oh sure sure that, that that typical like these typical stories that have come up you know where it's an an older gay man giving a younger gay man you know that first experience or kind of grooming in a sense this movie kind of skirts that um by doing like making sure that we're very pointed in knowing when their ages are yeah like, yeah and, and like, we don't have to guess right it's yeah. not that far yeah yeah uh, grooming's the wrong word, don't you think? I don't know. Okay. I mean, like, I don't mean it in the same sense of, in like... In the negative right. connotation. Yeah. But, but I... <laughs> um, I like how I just... I'm just going to question your, no, your no, no, language no. usage I mean, like, at all I, times. All I know is that it's been a trope, right? So, like, right, this, right, right. And, and so... And okay, I got it's, you. it's been a dangerous one, I think, that... Yeah. that um, even though it's, I think... Again, it's hard... For, why am I talking about it? Because I don't know. I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Why do we talk about anything? I mean, <laughs> no, what I mean, like, I just know that it's been brought up in the past that this that this trope of older gay men and younger gay men yeah, yeah. is somewhat problematic, right? So um, maybe grooming is the wrong word. Yeah, I mean, uh, Socrates, Plato, Plato, Aristotle, whatever. Right? <laughs> right, I get it. History, right? I understand. History I understand is how a it thing. works. Um, I wonder. I I I was curious why there wasn't more about the dancing in this film. I don't know. In a silver linings playbook kind of way. Yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, it but, almost uh, seems like, it, it seems like a point, right? It, it, it does seem like a, like a, like a, a, almost a red herring in a sense where, you know, it's, it's put there so Cole can have a big moment. It is a plot device right. to do that. And it also gives him a way to showcase himself at the beginning of the film. So we find yeah. him compelling and interesting right. because that, that whole sequence where he's dancing at the beginning, he's really yeah. good. He's beautiful. Like it's, and so, and like, you're also then coupled with this, this mess of a human being who's calling him on the phone and, uh, you know, and then desperately kind of interrupting and, and kind of just, I mean, not interrupting, but like just, you know, worsening his life as, as the, the right. It just, and, and this is, I think why it's surprising that there's not more about the, more about dance in this film that he is compelling he is so good it seems important but then he's working in public policy like later on <clears throat> right and it sort of comes back at the end and i mean i obviously yeah it's a it's a plot point it's a plot device it it does what it's supposed to do but i wonder i wonder too though could the could 
dance becomes sort of like a cliche with this story. So gay men dance. What the, I don't I don't know. I don't know. But I was expecting more, I think, about that. I, I think it is a cliche because we accept it so easily, right? The, 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 the yeah, characters do as yeah. well, but like we never question that Cole is a dancer. I mean, clearly yeah. he's got a dancer's body and yeah. he looks good in the sequined suit, but like, and he can dance, right? But we right. never question why this Australian Serbian kid is actually dancing. So I think it's, it's an easy yeah. um, <laughs> lubricant to the story to allow, I know wrong term, I get it, um, <laughs> to allow Cole to have a big moment at the wedding to turn everybody around on him uh to him if you will you know what jen jameson said <laughs> no i don't <laughs> i didn't read that episode of that issue of playboy you spit not lube. <laughs> was that a tattoo i think there's a bumper sticker it's like shit happens you, you spit not lube. do you think anyone knows who jenna jameson is any, anymore i hope so i mean i don't know i don't i hope that would be the case i mean like yeah in in a sense of where we've gotten past nudie calendars and uh, yeah maybe probably not okay probably not <laughs> we it's, it's a filmography we're probably not gonna do on this podcast either so <laughs> did she direct I, her own work <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure once or twice the porn world's Elaine May. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, oh, boy, this one's off the rails. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah. We're going to get into You Won't Be Alone. Like, for, I, I, we, we, we do this a lot, but like just talking about directors, um, you know, this to me, Feel, I mean, it's still uh, proficient and really well shot and really well done. This feels like a first, or more, a bit more of a first film to me than You Won't Be Alone. This yeah. feels like a personal story. I have no idea if he's gay. It doesn't matter. He is. He is. Okay. He's, he's openly gay. And, you know, he's a migrant from Macedonia who went to Australia. Right to Australia. And he, he's made comments about being the only gay kid in the village. And the only gay in the village is how he put it. Right. right you know, in Macedonia and stuff. So... Um, I feel like this is very autobiographical or at least very inspired from, right. right. He's also said that like, and he also said he didn't have very many friends, which had more to do with just him being shy and not necessarily gay or migrant. Sure. But, but yeah, I mean, I think this is very, it's very close to home. So, yeah, I mean, so it's, it's a, it's an interesting pairing of films that are drastically different to, in, in my head. Um, and this one seems much smaller on scope and scale. Um, again, going back to your question, how did you feel like the, the, you know, what do you, how do you feel about this? Were this a heteronormative story? Would we be, I think the acting is alone. And I think the way that the oh, story yeah. is portrayed, I think we would be gushing over. Oh, it. no, no. I, I, well, it's not that, it's not that like, you know, do we like them more because they're queer love stories. I just wonder if people go in with certain sort of expectations or, and, and not you and I, I think, I mean, look, not being facetious, I think that we approach these things kind of on their own terms. And as I was saying the other night, right? And, and, and seeing how they work and seeing how they're executed and then sort of judging based on that, not like, 
okay, you're going to tell me a gay story. You better do it. I mean, <laughs> you better do it well. <laughs> well, right. We gave you, we gave you gays a chance before. Um, but I do, I do worry about that kind of mentality with certain films. Like, okay, well, if you're going to do a queer story, you got to hit these certain sort of beats, right? It's got to be something either akin to a heteronormative story or, right, this is what I expect. Right. So different skin on the same story. Yeah. And I think that's one reason that I ask about sort of the tension too. Like, are, are these things, do they have inherently more, more at stake? I think that's kind of on one, the film level, the story level, but then on the meta level as well, like are people kind of going, hey, this is no love, valor, compassion, buddy, right? <laughs> right, right. Where's Jason Alexander with his lisp? I mean, do you know, I mean, right. so, um, yeah, it's that kind of, that kind of question that I- I would think for some that the answer is definitely yes. I mean, I, I don't, yeah. like I said, I don't think if you watched as much stuff as you and I have, then it doesn't really play into it because- it all becomes kind of rote after a while. We've, yeah. we've seen this, so it kind of it kind of becomes difficult to, um, to really compel. I mean, like into into stand out. I mean, I don't mean that to be <laughs> we're a just shitty, cynical and like, we yeah. are, we are. I mean, and, and so it yeah. takes something like, like, and it's the middle ground that suffers, right? Yeah. The yeah. shitty stuff we love, the great <laughs> stuff we love. And again, I know we're going to talk about it on a, on a different podcast, on a different episode, but Killers of the Flower Moon. And I don't want to get into it because I'm already fucking upset about it in the car ride over. Oh, interesting. But, okay. Good. <laughs> it was just oh, pissing yeah. me off anymore. But I mean, it's too much. It's too much. It's too much. <laughs> but is, I mean, like this, 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 this mediocrity is what is really mm-hmm. uh, disappointing. Um, it, it's, it's the, the extremes are wonderful, but the middle road where it's just like, eh, what the fuck do I give a shit? And that's to me, that's kind of where passages falls in. Like, mm. I'm not unhappy that i watch passages but i won't remember that i watch passages two years from now <laughs> and see that's that's interesting to me because yeah I'm, I'm trying to figure out why you hated it so much <laughs> that, may be, that may be strong i think i was just no 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 look i mean it's 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 fine but i mean i do think it's curious because i feel like there's enough there i don't know i think this is also how we re- how the two of us are relating to Rogowski's character to sure, us right and and if i think if you can't see the charm he has and that's not that's to no, no, no fault no. of yours <laughs> no, i just it's mean fine. It's then fine. i think that yeah then it doesn't work because he is the center he is this unlikable anti-hero main character Right. But we're supposed to sort of understand like, oh, he's kind of charming. He's kind of charismatic. He's artistic. He's this blah, 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 blah. But if you're not getting that, if you're not vibing with that, then yeah, it's not going to hold up. And you're going to go, you know what? It was fine. They, the performances were good. But other than that, I'm like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, I get it. But I mean, mediocrity sucks though. I mean, it really does. Right. It really does. It's like, it's like being apathetic about something. Like it just, it's the worst. It's the worst when you're like, you know what? That was fine. And I've already forgotten it. Right. It's, it's, it's like we talk about so much and what we're going to end up seeing because the, um, the, the SAG strike inexplicably continues Continues to go on. I, I, and I kind of understand why, because there's more actors than there are writers. That's not, it's not that hard to understand why that one's going to take longer to do, but like, this it's just this idea of like again we watch all this shit that gets churned out for content's sake these 
um, you know, these big budget. And again, it's you can argue that Killers of Farmers is in the same way, backbone or back, you know, back bankrolled by Apple. It's these movies that are just exist to exist on a streaming system for a month and then will go away and we don't care. And we'll, and so again, it's McDonald's, right? It's it's yeah. just enough to placate you to not unsubscribe from that streaming service right right um right. if it gets pushed in your face what was the what was the tom hanks movie on apple tv where he was like a uh a man called na- auto navy Mm-mm. he was Sully? like a, no he was a world war ii naval captain oh or admiral i don't know yeah something about the world and the end and but the this is and what have you <laughs> But then I, I'm I would saying have watched that movie if it had been called I, that. I'm saying this because that's exactly what you're talking about, right? right? This big budget film with a big star, bankrolled by Apple, that doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> right? Right. If it ever did exist, maybe I'm just making it up. The uh, Greyhound. The sure. I mean, why not? What's it about a bus? <laughs> a man on a bus. You know what, man? You gonna look it up? Uh, I'm gonna look it up. Uh, <laughs> Did you bring up Tom Hanks so we could circle back to the thing I wanted to talk about um, also on this podcast? No, which but is, what was that? Go ahead. As I'm looking up this which are, movie, which I know is called The Greyhound, and I'm going to tell you that in just a second. Um, nope, that was from 19, <laughs> 1914. <laughs> so. You can't see, like, just like you couldn't see Brock through the two fingers together, you saw his, like, his spirit be crushed. <laughs> it's just called Greyhound. <laughs> Oh, Elizabeth Shue's in it. No, I'm definitely going to oh, watch it. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. Why, I mean, why isn't she in the poster? I don't know. Well, why didn't they just reuse, like, Leaving Las Vegas promo shots for for that? Talk about a, a, a actress who just has defied time. I know. She is stunning. Now, granted, I will love her till the day that I die. Yeah. And there is no one better than Allie in Karate Kid or right, right, right. Uh, The Adventures in Babysitting. Those mm-hmm. two movies back to back may be the finest pieces of cinema I ever put to celluloid. <laughs> uh, but man, what a wonderful actress she is. And, I, and, I, and like the, out of all the people in Karate Kid that I've met, that's the lament that I, she has not made it to a con to, so I can meet her. Oh, okay. I was going to ask if you've met people from, like how many people have you met from Karate Kid? I've met Chris. Jaden Smith. Oh, wait, not that Karate Kid. Are you? F- This is a Chris Rock moment right here. It's just fucking. <laughs> Keep the damn Karate Kid remake out your mouth. Um, uh, yeah. No, I've not met Jaden or Jackie. Um, no, I've met uh, I've met Ralph. I've met William. I've met um, John Kreese. Um, okay. Pat Morita. I've not. Pat Morita, unfortunately, passed before I was able to meet him. Um, but uh, I have a picture of me in the Halloween costume that Daniel wears to the dance. Okay, I was going to say, if you have a picture of you dressed as Pat Morita for Halloween. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. right. Yeah, we may have problems. Maybe yeah. this podcast may be canceled. Uh, <laughs> you sure will be. <laughs> and then, yeah, and the three of them together and then individually as well. So, yeah, it's a, right. it was a highlight of my life, um, which, again, speaks more to my life than it does anything else. So. Um, no, I wanted to, you brought up Tom Hanks yeah. and I was talking to you about off mic, um, about novelty rap songs for, that were specifically written for movies and Tom Hanks did one for Dragnet. Okay. Have you, I was trying to figure out like, who winner. you were talking about and I'm like, 
Bobby Brown. No, Bobby Brown didn't win an Oscar. Uh, Will Smith only won one. Uh, no, this so, is Tom Hanks, back-to-back -back Best Actor winner. Also rapped a song called City of Crime for the Dragnet right, movie with Dan right, Aykroyd. Right, which why is don't we, not a good movie. Why don't we do that anymore? Why don't we have... Was that the only movie novelty rap he did that tom hanks did yeah. i'm pretty sure that he didn't oh. have to do one for like turner and hooch or anything but uh, <laughs> i don't think rap was his, his promise but like it seemed like in 86 that that we were getting a lot of those like uh you know my name is this and i'm here to say that i did this thing in a very cool way you know that whole <laughs> <laughs> nothing about that was cool but uh. <laughs> right and that's all that was all uh, you know that i'm my, i'm here to say is all because of uh fruity pebbles right flintstones commercial right. but i mean it's also i mean this is 86 so so you know hip-hop rap is not that old and especially it's not it's it's entering the mainstream in a way where you know in just a couple years i will be in my catholic school uniform <laughs> as like a sixth grader Right with my Sony Walkman and my cassette, you know, singing along to Public Enemy, right? Right. So, so right. I mean, this it makes sense. And we also got like, I think the you know, my name is blank, and I'm here to say is also the same kind of rhythm of basketball is my favorite sport. <laughs> right. I love to watch them dribble up and down the court. I mean, it's the same kind of like, <laughs> right? It pattern. feels like everyone can do it, right? There weren't a lot of. I'm not saying I can. Like this is true. Right. So. Right. But have you ever listened? Good are you call. familiar with City of Crime? Um, it's, I am trying to remember the song. You, I'm familiar with Dragnet and and watching Dragnet. I mean, God, when I was like nine years old, right? And I think did we go to the theater? Did I go see? The, I probably did. Um, and and the pills and the and the big like sheep leggings. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ackroyd is Joe Friday. I'm gonna say you said it wasn't very good. I'm gonna I'm gonna defend Dragnet. Well, look, I love it. It's, it's I love not it. That, it's not that bad for a TV make a remake yeah, of a 50s I, show. I, I look, I'm not saying it's unwatchable. It's got Ackroyd, it's got Hanks. I mean, like at their comedic tops. It's got like Dabney Satan Coleman worshippers and yeah. human sacrifice and it's kind of a boa constrictor in that, that PG-13. Yeah. Like there's something about like I, we will never get it back. But this, there was something about comedic Tom Hanks and that kind of manic cocaine i don't think that he was doing cocaine but like that but, manic energy that he had like bachelor he, party yeah right yes I, 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 even like splash and big, big. and like the, these these roles where you know he was just just like he was a muppet i mean like yeah, i mean if yes, you think about yes. his movement and his acting he was yeah he's like like a funnier kermit the frog and fucking money pit which is one money of the pit. funniest yeah movies. yeah yeah with also alexander goodenough yeah. Discussed in this parish. Um, <laughs> I'm a diehard. But, but City of Crime was a post-credit rap song. You can go look it up on YouTube. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it is, and it's basically, I mean, Ackroyd plays Joe Friday of the Dragnet, you know, um, and then... Just the facts. Uh, and <laughs> Tom Hanks plays Pep Streebeck. That's right, Streebeck. <laughs> oh, yeah, and he's the he's the you know the the cop who doesn't give a shit. You know, he goes to strip clubs to find you know he's like the guy who's like sleeping with women. And Joe Friday's the 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 straight laced, um, just the facts guy. And it's this song is just them basically rapping Miranda rights. It's and then like it's and then like a. <laughs> And it's so fucking terrible and it's so it's it is a bad song it is bad but i but i but i had that record when i was a kid 
And I would just mainly because of that song, like I was so like enamored with like, I was so enamored with like Fresh Prince and like yeah. all this stuff that was coming out right at that yeah, particular yeah, time yeah, that yeah. I was just like, and like even like the Beasties and like and, and Run DMC, that anything rap I was trying to eat up. And that just, I was just like, hey man, I, I remember them, like there's a, the <laughs> at one point the 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 criminal as aspect wraps back on the song and it's like <laughs> it, it's hey there crop copper mr crime stopper what's wrong with what i'm doing i just like to dance in these goatskin pants around this ancient <laughs> ruin <laughs> oh my God. Uh, uh, yeah that's um city that's, of, city of crime that's Did, amazing yeah go it's, and, and, it's, and uh, what's so funny about it too is that all that manic energy that because i mean like like Ackroyd had, I mean, and Hanks was one of the the best Saturday Night Live hosts ever too. Mm-hmm. But but Ackroyd had been in the game for like so that whole like him making a fool of himself was mm-hmm. kind of part and parcel, right? But like Hanks gives so much effort to this rap song. He puts <laughs> so much into it. Like he's the guy, he's the callback guy in this song. Like so, it's like he's the guy going huh and like. Just the- <laughs> <laughs> So he's Pep Strebeck in the rap song too, but it's all this like, yeah, it's like Joe Friday's all straight laced the entire time. And then Pep's all over the place. Like, uh, like, just, fla- like, like flavor. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tom Hanks, like you see the video, Tom Hanks is so excited to be a part of this, this new phenomenon called rap, uh, that I'm surprised he didn't, I, I'm, I'm not surprised that Chet took it up on his own, like later on in life. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. Anyway, let's bring that back. You Won't Be Alone should have had a post-credit rap sequence. You're right, but done in (laughs) In the original Macedonian language. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm glad you brought it back to the um, last film today. Um, So, You Won't Be Alone.
Kaži numi ce zakopat. Vește roi numi. Ne jamașat. In an isolated mountain village in 19th century Macedonia, a young girl is kidnapped and then transformed into a witch by an ancient spirit. And then she spends the rest of the time trying to figure out what the fuck it is to be a human. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's attacked by a witch when she's a young baby. She gets a, her voice taken away. Her mom uh, hides her away in a cave so the witch can't get to her. But it also removes her humanity, her ability to speak properly, her ability to to interact with any actual human beings. Um, and then once the witch frees her from the cave, she spends the rest of the time you know, taking on the forms of uh, an, a woman, um, and a dog, another man, um, a child, all to figure out um, what it is to be, to, yeah, exactly, to be human. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this question before we get too deep into sure. this. <clears throat> because do I, I like being a human? Right, really. Do you like being a human? <laughs> Would you rather be a dog watching a bunch of boys jerk off in the field? Um, well, that's not the question I wanted to ask, but now that it's out there, I'm going to okay. ask you that. That's the one I want to know the answer to. <laughs> um, the dog part, yes. The the latter part of that, n not not really my thing. Right. But, if you happen um, to stumble upon it, you probably would, <laughs> like wouldn't turn away. I, I would like, probably probably ask the question like, why altogether? Like, <laughs> right. Like, I mean, are like, you racing or is this some sort of like yeah, hazing? Yeah. What is the winner get? I don't. I mean, like. <laughs> So what's riding on this bed? I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah. no, what, what, but seriously, uh, do what? you think, and I, I will, let me preface this question by saying, I really, really like this film. Mm -hmm. I think it is, I, I do have some problems with it, but not really from a, more from a, just a, some of the choices aspect of it. Mm. Um, but I really, really like this film. And I think it's a very impressive first film. I mean, I do think it wears its influences on its sleeve, but that's neither here nor all, all, you know, all films do that. Um, so that being said, I like this film. Do you think we overrate as a society folk horror films? Um, yeah, I do. <laughs> like, do you think we give them a pass? Yes. Because, because they're, they're folk because horror. Because they're confusing yeah. and like art, arty and like, uh, and maybe they're not quite as good as we tell yeah. ourselves they are. Yeah. So like, as again, not to bring it back up, but Killers of the Flower Moon, we're watching, oh, we're watching this. So I've got to, if I say that it's bad, <laughs> then I look like a dumb movie going person. I think- Scorsese never makes a bad film. I do Sorry. think- <laughs> <laughs> You just don't understand Scorsese. That's, His mediocrity is better than most people's best. <laughs> that's Brock's dumb movie person guy <laughs> impersonation. <laughs> It's my Scorsese bro. I don't, I don't I'm not sure what's going on. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like we also then chastise people who don't prop up folk horror and don't get it. I do feel like no, we say you don't get it. <laughs> oh, you're right, right. I mean, that's You're what happens, right, 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 right. You're like, right. oh, you don't get it. But I do think you. I mean, I think it's very valid to sit through things like The Wicker Man or The Witch or these other kind of like slow burn quiet horror films and if you don't like them there's no reason you can't say you don't like them <laughs> if it doesn't work for you like not everything like these metaphor films don't all have like even under the skin like it's not really yeah. folk horror but like because you're not setting up but it shares aspects right um it's okay not to like those films it's okay to like what you like D yes exactly it is it is perfectly fine 
to not like what you don't like and it's and it's perfectly fine to like what you like i i really get look i i know that that if you're listening to this podcast if you talk to me outside there's a lot of shit that i don't like and i'm pretty vocal about it but here's the thing i never have turned to someone else and go why do you like that i've never done that right i mean knock on wood or like <laughs> if i have i'm sorry right but i try my best not to because it doesn't really matter. You like what you like, right? The people that like Killers of the Flower Moon, hey, good for you. I'm never going to agree with you, <laughs> right? right? But, but that's fine, right? I didn't sit there and tell you, why do you like this piece of shit? Right. So don't do the same to me. <laughs> don't, don't sit there and say, well, how could you not like this? Well, pretty easily. And I think it's the same thing with like Fulker. I, I, I think that it is kind of a, an easy way to be like, I like, I like art house films. It does, and then it does feel like there's a level of pretentiousness, even to this movie. Sure, that that kind of undercuts. You know, I, 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 maybe I take umbrage with the term horror mm-hmm. in this case because mm-hmm. "You Won't Be Alone" is not really a horror film. Mm-mm. It is a gory film, but that's that's different things, right? I mean, it's not you're not going to go away from this movie with an underlying sense of dread, even. Um, I didn't look like under my car before I <laughs> right for a outside. burning witch or anything. Right. Um, and so there's a lack of tension in this movie that, again, and it, but this also feels like if you're watching Tree of Life or another Malick film or yeah. something shitty by David Gordon Green, like these things can still be shitty and still look pretty <laughs> at the same time. I guess right. is my point. Right. No, you're, you're you're exactly. I mean, I think there's more to this film. Of course. Then, of I mean, course. I, I right. think. I don't, that, I don't, yeah. I, I'm, no, no, no. I, and I know you said that you liked it, but I, I mean, I, I, um, I, I do think that a film like this runs the risk of coming off as as pretentious because it does that stuff with the camera. It's got that voiceover, the kind of whispery voiceover. Well, um, and it's broken English, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, even and, it, and I it's, mean, it's very and it's poetic in, in, right? in a lot of different ways. Yeah, yeah, it's subtitled, and the subtitles are in broken English, right? <laughs> right. Um. It's concerned with the composition of shots. It's concerned with light, right? Um, I mean, you know, the way light is portrayed on film. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it does feel maybe a little precious at times. Um, but I think overall, it's just trying to make a kind of, you know, compelling atmospheric um, movie. And But yeah, I mean, it's not it's not scary. And so that, that was not, the one point, my, I guess, my problem, not problem, but the one if I had to take away something that I didn't care for. I really didn't like the score. I mm, thought the, I didn't either. The, the the tinkling piano and and trying to like this movie needed to allow the audience to feel whatever it wanted to feel. Had this just been ambient noise, exactly. yeah. this yeah. movie would have been fucking brilliant. Just the the trees, the yeah. wind, the right. nature. Yeah. You I, had so much going on in this Macedonian setting. There would have been enough background chatter and like and and shit going on. It, this the 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 forced feeling and the forced emotion being portrayed with this piano was just really like okay. This feels like kind of a car commercial in a lot of ways. Like I'm just like okay, you're trying to crescendo me into feeling yep. some sort of emotion. Yep. Don't do that. Like I'm already there with with trying to find this, you know, and trying to put myself into feeling what I would do in in these scenarios and like how I would open up into these, you know, to these opportunities to live a different life or live a a different different person. Or I can just kind of. (laughs) (laughs) So, so do you think that that is kind of a 
first film making mistake. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that that's not trusting your audience to or trusting your or trusting or, yourself. Right, right. Right. To be able to portray and to convey the the message that you want to convey. I, I think it's a hard thing to kind of just let things sit, mm -hmm. right? To just let things settle there and and trust that your viewer, your audience will sort of sit with you. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but yeah, I I did not like the squirt either. It just I, there were moments where you're in a scene and you're watching it and the music takes me out. I'm like, why, why did you do that? Right. I, I just want to hear, I just want to hear the wind. Ah, well, like, I mean, and I'm like, that shouldn't happen. And, it, and if you do want to build tension and you do want this to be a folk horror, let me hear the viscera, right? I mean, let me hear the scratching and the, yeah. and the tension in the background yeah. and like never, like, that's the, I guess, again, one of the things that this movie wants to be a horror film, the tension of the old maid always being around the corner, kind of looking in the background, mm -hmm. being that sense of doubt mm -hmm. that we all have mm -hmm. that just sits there and fucks with us that, you know, that would have been palpable in a lot of, and again, but we, but again, that this, the score almost makes it comical or at least it undercuts all the tension that you would have had by having her show up again yeah and what i what i you know that's the other thing too again i think the, the knock on this is that if it wanted to be horror you know that idea of doubt and 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 i guess just the life throwing you a curveball the unexpected nature of it all Having her, the other witch show, or, you know, the old maid witch showing up in different scenarios, always being a presence and never really being able to get away from her would have been, um, you know, an interesting aspect to this. Now, it's still, it's, I, mean, I think it's really good. And I do think that, you know, the way that the characters that, you know, the, the main character that moves through the bodies that never speaks and, and um, kind of just you know looks at life you know takes it all in yeah. and, and tries to to formulate and of course you do hear the voiceover of course i mean and how it kind of how what their observations are um but i, I think there's some there's a lot of stuff that's really beautiful about this movie but i do think that that um yeah i think the first this is a heady and heavy first time film to yeah. pull off and do really well yeah do, do, do you think and and i haven't read that so I I some of the stuff I've read is that you know when earlier when I was talking about how the director, you know, was very close to Cole and of an age, you know, he's quoted in this um interview, and I think it's an Australian newspaper, about how, you know, really he spent kind of his his teenage years, you know, watching Bergman, Fellini, right? Uh love Catherine Hepburn, stuff like that. I think you can see those influences mm -hmm. here, like pretty, pretty clearly. So do you think he wanted it to be horror? Do you think he thought, oh, this is a horror film? I mean, do you think he thought, oh, this is my Bergman horror film? Because like I, when I hear this is horror, I'm like, I, I don't think of it as that at all. Or is that like us putting that label on it? And then we expect, or is that a marketing department? Yeah, I think that's a focus feature, seeing how well The Witch and, okay. like, and, okay. and The Lighthouse and all these other films are faring. Okay. And, oh, we need to get some of that sweet, sweet A24 money, too. <laughs> <laughs> because I think, I mean, this is such a different film than those. I mean, I think it's probably more closely related to something like The Witch in its slowness, in its kind of atmosphere, in its approach to filmmaking. 
but right. but it never but it doesn't ask that much it, it like the 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 level of ludicrousness that the witch gets to and again i'm not a, i'm not against the witch i'm just saying that there's a that these leaps of faith that these ari aster movies ask the audience to take aren't uh well aren't, the rich the witch is a robert eggers i know i know i'm sorry i should have said kidding. i should have said eggers because i was sitting there thinking <laughs> light us too but yes i agree well and that's and, and fair that is actually a fair because but but just speaking of also i was afraid if they're a right. kind of loop they unfairly get lumped together yeah they're the sydney yeah. pollock and because <laughs> <Sydney Lumet. laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i don't think of bo's afraid is a horror film either right and, right and I think these are like, oh, let's throw it in a genre category, and yeah, it's, and then people will go, and then they get, what the fuck is Malik doing here? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily know why you would classify it as such. And again, I think that that part of it is because, well, one, we can use folk horror, and it sounds prestige. And then two, we can uh, we can then you know put it in a certain section in you know in the streaming section yeah. library whatever right yeah so this kind of suffers the same same categorization of something like Innisman mm-hmm. right where well it's weird too that they're like uh, you know claiming this is a Nomi Rapace film like it's I know she's in it for all of like fifteen minutes if yeah. that I mean right. like it's not it's right. Just, <laughs> And granted, uh, Nomi Rapace kind of looks like every other woman in this film. <laughs> so I was like, wait a minute, is that Nomi Rapace? Is that Nomi like, Rapace? Or is like... that Nomi Rapace? Or is that? Yeah, I mean. So it's like watching actually men in this case, because every actress is Nomi Rapace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why that is like that. Why not just let this stand on its on its own. I think I think it's it, it is all marketing. I don't yeah. think I don't think that because this played at Sundance, correct? Yeah, and it yeah. played well at yeah. Sundance because it got yeah. actually got rejected from uh, I think Venice and and Cannes. Um, okay, and then did and then got did well at Sundance. Okay, um, yeah, I do think it's a matter of marketing in this case. Well, we bought this film. It's got witches in it, so let's it's horror. It's it's horror. It's witches. It's horror. It's fine. It's got witches. It's got horror. <laughs> witches are scary, right? So right, we're going to put right, it in. right. Um, and it's like in the 19th century, so it's kind of folky. And, right. Uh, yeah. From the studio that didn't bring you the witch. It's just a story about witches. It's just like the Wicker Man, but yeah. With <laughs> witches and bees. <laughs> to be fair, the 70s, and to be no, no, fair, no, no, both, neither version actually had bees in it. I, I'm just. <laughs> only one had Nicholas Cage. I'm just, yeah. I mean, I'm just like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't Speaking know. of people, whatever happened to Lily Sobieski? Whatever happened to her? She's not in. Um, are, you, are you looking at me because <laughs> I don't know what, what happened? I know. Yeah, what did happen? And what? Where did that come from? Was she, she was in, in the, the Wicker she Man? She was in the Wicker Man remake, which you clearly didn't see. No, no. Why You're would not I a see Neil Labute completist? No. No, oh my God! Speaking of Labute, I watched his latest film oh, with. I didn't know he um, had See, this is weird to me that I don't know that he has. More I films know. I was going to tell you, but then I completely forgot about it. <laughs> um, Maggie Q is in it. Okay, and it's another like weirdly sort of I'm trying to be feminist thing where these women go off on like a bachelorette party and they're attacked by outside men, and Maggie Q, who has a military background, has to kill everybody and save the day. Wow. Yeah, no, it was not good. No, I like Maggie Q. I mean, what was that movie we watched that was like the screaming movie where the all the women have to like, God damn it, I, that's 
watched too much shit. But the one we didn't like, it was the it was we were like, oh, but this is like the the most harrowing film you're gonna watch all year. And it was like I just remember women screaming. Like they remember they go back to the house and they have to cover up a murder and she's not actually dead at the end and Oh, 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 um, um Soft and quiet. Yes. Soft yes, and quiet. You, thank you. Oh, right, right. Because they're all like uh, wild racist clan members. Yeah, okay. they're all like white supremacist. Okay, right, right. Karens. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Soft and quiet. <laughs> all right. So is Neil Butte's new movie out on uh, streaming somewhere? Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, it's 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 out in the ether. Um, I didn't realize it was Neil Butte until I like started watching it. Hmm. And the credits, I'm like, because I was like, it was like one of those like, you know, Friday or Saturday nights. I didn't want to go like actually leave the house. And I'm like, I just need something dumb to zone out to. Right. And I'm like, Maggie Q fights people. Cool. I'll watch that. And then like his name pops. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> like, it, it, that is a, man, that is a bizarre career. So to, strange. To be, like you said, like a kind of a, a championed auteur. Especially when like Nurse Betty comes out, people are like all over him. And then to now be a guy you don't even you don't even know he directed a movie. Yeah. Like how many people can you think of that actually happens to? Like he's not even like like even like oh, a single man. <laughs> <laughs> a Brett Ratner or something like, like that that like mm. I mean, who was never an auteur, but like no, you no, would. No, I was saying that's. There, there's a lot of movies that I don't know are made by people I recognize, right? But it's because they kind of fit that formula. I mean, like right? even like McHugh like ends up doing like McHugh has a style though. I mean, right, and and, right. and I don't like McHugh's films or that terrible TV show he did with Tiffany Thiessen, who dropped the amber, right? <laughs> um, and yeah. Peter Facinet, Peter Facinelli, yeah. yeah. Um, but he has a and was Bill Bellamy in that? <laughs> there's a name you haven't thought of for a while but i mean true. but like you know someone like mckee you can watch that and go oh, okay like i all right i see this right but i actually um, like those those two babysitter movies on on netflix i know you probably haven't watched no them. i have i have with um no, those are mckee films okay yeah and that makes sense right, 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 with, right, the, right with the with the kind of um um the margot robbie knockoff yes i was gonna say the off-brand margot robbie <laughs> <laughs> she's great uh, no she she is i can't remember her name but she looks just like Martha. samara weaving yes samara yes, weaving yeah. she is good and she's funny she was in smilf and she was in the uh what was ready the, or not and, ready or not yeah and then yeah, she was actually yeah. in the bill and ted number three as uh, well she was yeah. one of bill and ted's one of their daughters or whatever okay um okay. <laughs> no she's great and she's I, I think those movies are they're they're just like brain jenna ortega is in the second one right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, what the fuck are we talking, talking about? about? You won't be alone. Um, which which you won't. You listen to us and you will never be alone. You know, it's hard to like... Always have us in your ear holes. There's so much going on in this movie. Like from, you know, the horrors of being in 1800s Macedonia to trying to figure out who you are, to generational trauma, to... Uh, there's a queer reading in this film. Right, right. There's, there's a, a gender fluidity, fluidity mm -hmm. that exists. Um, I, I think like... Out of all the things that it does, that it that that it where where there has missteps, I do think there's five or six things that it does really really oh, well. Oh yeah. Um, and and I mean and and it does not really force feed you aside from the emotional cues too much outside of that. Um, and so I think yeah, I think this is a film that can be. Whereas a lot of these like 
folk horror films don't lend themselves to this. But I think there's a lot of uh, pieces in here that you that this would benefit from multiple watchings. Oh, yeah. um, and I think once you started to get familiar with, because again, the movie takes a kind of a, to me, a jarring step when they start telling the story of the maid. Yeah. And like, because all of the characters look the same and it looks like it's the same time period and the colors are the same. And everyone still kind of looks like Naomi Rapace. <laughs> that it's hard to like kind of get your bearings of like, oh, I'm in this story now and not in this yeah. story. And then kind of figure out where those two end. Um, I think that's, and I, it's clear why he, that was his big set piece, right? That's the big burning body. You know, I think a little bit too, like the, 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 some of the special effects obviously aren't great. The, the, the makeup isn't, like the makeup on the, on the old maid is, looks like a rubber suit. It's fine. Yeah, I don't think it really distracts too, detracts too much, but it's you know in a movie these days, it does a little bit. I right. think I think it's a little bit jarring to see that. But other than that, it's I, like bad VFX stands out. <laughs> right, right, right. Where, yeah. Um, but it's I like think watching that, Predator again and seeing like the ship, the first scene, you're kind of like, mm, right. is that on a, that's on a string, right? Okay. <laughs> right. But and I mean, that, it's yeah stuff this, like that. And the story where McTiernan forgot that shot was actually in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <clears throat> get to the chopper. <laughs> so, but I, it, it's hard to like really delve into any one of these to kind of, without like spending another four or five hours oh, talking about individual pieces of this and kind of picking apart how you feel about them. Right. I mean, like the deconstruction that could take place with this film, it could just happen over and over and over and over. I think that's something I really admire about this film too, is that Look, I mean, I'm not a big champion of interpretation for interpretation's sake, but I think you can do so with this film while admiring everything from a craft aspect as well, right? Mm -hmm. it, especially with that score. And I think it becomes even more sort of effective in, in what it's trying to get you to feel and think about. But so, so I, yeah, I think that you can really get into these ideas just from what is right there, right? Without being like, oh, what's behind the curtain? But with what it's showing you, I think there's so much to unpack and take away right. from the film. This is so much Malik and that of an age is so much different that I'm really interested in seeing housekeeping for beginners. Me too. Um, just to see what the next thing that yeah. he does. And this is his latest be, film that, that premiered in, at Venice in September. And it's supposed to be phenomenal. I mean, it's gotten, I mean, uh, initial reaction is, is great. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like, I, this three film set, I think will be very telling of how, what his kind of arc is going to be. Yeah. Um, it, I do think part of the horror aspect of it too probably helps get this movie financed. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to go in and say, well, I'm going to make a, you know, a melodramatic Terrence Malik-esque movie about what it's like to be <laughs> a human set in 1800s Macedonia. And the, the backers are like, okay. Uh, and then, oh, and it's got witches but, in it. <laughs> oh, greenlit. Whoa, whoa, naked witches. Let's do it. Here's I'm 20 on, million. I'm, let's I'm, do it. I'm yeah, on naked witches. Wait, you said there are going to be naked witches. <laughs> She's all burnt up. What's going on? <laughs> That one's just old. Oh. <laughs> Supposedly, I read a trivia bit about Nomi Rapace not knowing that she had to be naked in this. And like, and I was when I when I saw the nudity of Nomi Rapace, I'm like, that. I mean, There's, it, really not. I mean, it's like it's a backside a scene, and that's. I mean, like, I wouldn't be overly embarrassed. I mean, like, I get it. Body autonomy, fine. I, I mean, do what you need to do to. to but it's to not a gratuitous nude. It's not like, hey, look at Nomi Rapace's boobs. Right. I mean, right. Right. And yeah. there are some uh, nudity shots in the movie, that, that, yeah, but they always seem. 
to serve a function. Sure. Right. right. It, it's not like you were sort of saying about passages. It's like overlong kind of, hey, look, look, mm. look. It's like this is what it is. It's 1800s Macedonia. Right. Like people, right. <laughs> people will disrobe. Um, it's. Yeah, I mean, it, this is the type of movie I do, I do wish, you know, I don't, I don't, like, it's it's a, it's a an ask for, an hour, this would be an hour and 40 minutes, and then, mm-hmm. because it is poetic and dreamy, and, and um, it, I, I do kind of wish, I don't know, I wish that the, maybe the, that the, that the, the threat of the witch was more potent, but also that we got to spend more time with some of these people, and to really, rather than voiceover, I don't know. Yeah. Just just to get to, because again, we're talking in kind of broken speak, poetic speak. It's you don't. Maybe I don't really want it. Maybe that's I, maybe, just I'm, us. That's right. just that's just the two of us. <laughs> right. Maybe I don't want it spelled out for me at the end of the day of how the man feels versus the woman I, feels. Or yeah, maybe it's best yeah, that I'm yeah, just talking I, myself out of this. I'm just gonna say yeah, keep talking <laughs> yourself out of it because I think there's a lot that's that's working really well. Like, I mean, in, sto- in just story-wise. Well, and right? I think I think my point being, not so much to have it explained to me, but having us to live in these skins just a little bit longer than yeah. what, we, what we get. Yeah. I do think we spend a lot of time focusing on the, you know, the violent aspect of life. Um, and and so, like, I think that, I think almost the Nomi repays piece, like, and I understand the transition has to happen the way that it happens, but, like, we spend a lot of time with Nomi Rapacen, probably because she was the highest paid person on screen. Right. right. And so I think maybe that is kind of my point of like, once we get past her, um, you know, she can really start kind of owning her own life and, and, and start to navigate in a way that uh, she hasn't before. Right. And, and, and a kind of recurring theme in what she's talking about is sort of noticing the, the bad but also the good. Mm-hmm. And so I think we see, I mean, a lot of the violence, a lot of the sort of negative negative aspects of this life and of life at this time so that she's able to recognize more and more the beautiful parts of it as well. Right. right? And I'm not one of these, I mean, look, I mean, I think the question of why evil exists will probably never be answered, especially if you are a believer in an omni-god, right? But I think this film is saying like, yeah, the world sucks, but also right. there's also these other moments that like we can't sort of forget about. Um, I think I I do think it has more of a connection with of an age than maybe you're giving it credit for. I think both films have a very kind of even though this one has multiple readings, I think there's a very kind of clear, sort of queer, sort of fluid, even trans kind of storyline in there. And we have obviously the 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 queer love story. Um, in of an age, and I think the style in which they're shot is pretty similar. Not a one to one same, but same format, same kind of handheld, mm. you know, hyper camera. Get down right? Yeah, yeah, and, and big zooms. You know, not zooms, but focused in on on, yeah. on faces. And- I I mean, I think of an age doesn't have as many close ups. Um, I think he was really in love with the close up, right. and and you won't be alone. But I, you know, I think that's fine. I think he's more kind of judicious with the close-up, the use of close-up um, in of an age. But I think you can see similarities in in the filmmaking in both. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah, I'm, I, I don't have any other information about housekeeping for beginners other than I know those three words, and that's basically. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? Did you see the storyline? I mean, no, they kind I'm of really. Oh, didn't. I it's didn't okay. It, so. um, but no, go ahead. I mean, it's, it's not going to. It's a um, well, and this is just like the law, right? I mean, I don't know what happens in the film, but it's so it's set in like conservative Macedonia, like but current day, and Ugh, another one. <laughs> <laughs> um, contemporary Macedonia, which is still yes, very conservative, and a woman who's a queer woman whose partner has died. She now has to raise these kids, and she has no real, you know, she's obligated to do so, but she doesn't really want to, right? She's reluctant to do so. So that's that's basically it. Right? So it's like three men and a baby set in Macedonia. Right, but only one woman, one woman, right, and multiple babies. In right, this case. right. So it's exactly, so it's exactly, exactly the same. <laughs> exactly the same, except except that there's only one woman. It's one woman. More babies. More babies in Macedonia. Macedonia, and it's 2023. Correct. Rather than 1980, whatever. Correct. <laughs> okay. Correct. All right, so, but yeah, I mean, I I think I got the feel for it though. Yeah. Okay. Is Ted Danson in it? I don't know. <laughs> he is uh, second build. He's <laughs> <laughs> one of the babies, actually. He's a- <laughs> He's like a Benjamin Button. Um, so, but this sounds to me. Holy so- shit! There's a movie. <laughs> Three men and a Benjamin Button. It sounds to me similar to something like. An <laughs> Asgard Farhadi movie where. Where, God, I sound like an asshole. (laughs) Where a lot of the tension arises from the culture within the story is set. So if you think about a story like The Salesman where, um, you know, a man's wife is assaulted in in their home. And now the tension between them is not because of what happened, but because of what society expects from from him and from her and how she is sort of, even though she did nothing wrong, is now looked down upon. So. (laughs) Yeah. It's probably out now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, you should go check those films out. There, there are. I just, I look. I just, I do just want to say that um, if you're interested in films like these, I don't know if you did a I list of I like Codger Loser. I know. Um, I'm I know. kidding. There is. I, mean, a, I can name movies like this. There's a there's a Georgian film called And Then We Danced. Um, takes place in. Fulton County. Right. Um, it's about this small town boy. <laughs> or make him. A big city boy coming to a small town. Um, no, no um, Georgian set in Tbilisi, or G- Georgian set in Tbilisi, kind of um, in the world of traditional Georgian dance, but also like a queer love story in a place where you are not supposed to be gay. Um, you know, I think pairs really well with, with Of an Age. That's not a bad plot device of, of of queer telling of Footloose. Right. Uh, I, right. I, I go see that movie. Yeah. See? There you go. Dance. <laughs> dance. Gay boys. I don't know. Um, so, yeah. They all dance well, according to of an age people. <laughs> no, I mean, like, not of an age people. People that were in of an age. People who are a, a, of a certain <laughs> age? Of a certain this age. Like, all so, think that gay so. men dance well. <laughs> it's, it's a known fact. 
Okay. Did you have any other recommended if you like? Or sure, it, sure. Years and I'll, um, and well, no, I'll, I was just going to say that, I mean, I think um, you won't be alone. I think we mentioned The Witch, but they, which I think is a pretty you know, kind of clear connection. But I would also throw out uh, La Llorona, La Llorona, mm-hmm. the 2019 Guatemalan film. Um, not the curse of La La Rome. Not, not the one that's in, not that piece of garbage. Not the one that's in this sort of, um, what's that universe? Oh, the Conjuring The Conjuring universe, universe yeah. right. Um, and then for Passages, I thought about Both Sides of the Blade by Claire Denis, mm-hmm. starring Juliette Binoche and Vincent Lindon. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's exactly how you say it. Um, I, you know, a, another kind of love triangle with, I mean, frankly, not the most likable of characters. So, yeah. All right, then. Yeah. Good so, stuff. So, listener, there you go. I will give you other films to, to watch. <laughs> um Jason, anything else you want to... I think we're good. I think we covered it pretty well. I mean, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back or anything, but I mean, I'd say we did a kick-ass episode. I I think we have just given what the kids call content. (laughs) Right, right. We provided what the kids call content. It's sick as, I'm just saying. Bro. (laughs) You know, um, one last note. Uh, they, They kind of drop a little bit, but I would have liked seen played out a little bit more is Adam's love of Tori Amos. I know. And you know his email address is why can't Adam dance, or not, it's what is it, dance, or sing something, it, it, or why can't, and maybe it's dance. Anyway, that was the name of Tori uh, Amos's first band before <laughs> Tori Amos. So yeah, it's why can't Tori dance or whatever. Uh, that that would have been fun. I mean, I don't know if yeah. you want to like get kitschy with it really, but I mean like it's, um, but it was kind of a, a nice little, conversation piece than yeah. in the movie. Yeah. I, I mean, know, any 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 more Tori Amos, I think, is always good. The more <laughs> Tori Amos is always good. Right. I do think you can probably get, you can veer towards the Tarantino pop culture uh, references too much in, when, doing, when doing something like that. But if it's sincere enough, um, and you have an actual take to it, I think it's... Right. Uh, or if this had just been a completely filled with Tori Amos, like deep cuts, that would have been a lot of fun, That too. would have been cool. Did you, but just playing, right? Like, right, in, right. In the, not, tape, yeah. in, the, in the tape deck. Yeah, I mean, you know, not like Tori Amos's version of Like a Virgin. Hmm. <laughs> 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 hmm What are we doing? Do we even know what we're doing next? We we, we don't. Okay. Not... Um, not definitively. I think, well, regardless, next time, listeners, we are trying to line up a special guest to come in and talk to us about Killers of the Flower Moon and maybe convince us that it's a better film than we think it is. There's a spoiler. Regardless, we're going to talk Killers of the Flower Moon next time. Um, we may talk some other things as right. well. Kind of um, a hodgepodge. We probably will because, <laughs> I mean, if you've listened today, you know that we can't stay on topic. Um, which is why you listen. Maybe maybe Brock and I will reenact uh, City of Crime from the Dragnet soundtrack. Uh, <laughs> I've just got to get some goatskin pants. Um, and then, but it shouldn't be hard to find. I, I already have goatskin pants. <laughs> I, I threw mine out a while back. For yeah. I wonder if mine still fit. Actually, <laughs> uh, well, there's plenty of time to to uh, to lose weight and get in those, or gain weight, depending on whichever way you want. <sighs> it's the truth. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I know you probably like to play along at home, but uh, they'll be in the they'll be in the uh, in the notes in the episode, so you can watch before you listen if you need to do that. 
I'm assuming that everyone's gone out and been, is well read on Cassavetes at this point. So. <laughs> yes, there are, there are multiple Cassavetes experts out there at this point. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so next time we'll at least talk Killers of the Flower Moon, um, either just the two of us or or with, with the guest. Uh, we'll see. It'll be fine. Okay. Um, Look, it's good, stuff to, it's good stuff to end on. I'm gonna tell it, you, it is. We're gonna stop qu- right there. Every piece of words that I say, which is again, <laughs> how how. See, I watched you won't be alone too long, and now me talk like <laughs> a wolf Idris. <laughs> um, okay, until next time. Thank you for listening, and keep on screaming. We're putting this party on ice. But don't you know we really ought to read them their rights? Read them their rights. Read them their rights. Well, I'm here tonight to rap about your rights. Because right now you're in trouble. Don't have to say nothing at all. Y'all got to call. Then you better make them on the table. This is the city of is our job to bust you all for being violent while we are here let's state it clear you have been listening to why does the wilhelm scream with your hosts brock and jason if you like today's episode do us a favor and rate review and subscribe in whatever application you use to consume podcasts these days you can reach us by visiting why does the wilhelm scream.com if you are in the dfw area we would love to see you at a fort worth film club event you can learn more about those and find a full schedule at fortworthfilmclub.com and you can learn about my foundation and how we are trying to foster the next generation of film lovers at realhousefoundation.org that's r-e-e-l housefoundation.org till next time <laughs> <laughs>